We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. We are still along for the ride on this Relationships series. How many people enjoyed last week? We talked about beware of pirates. And uh, in the midst of all of the pirate display, all I got were these crummy earrings. No, I'm just joking. We got all sorts of excited things. I don't know why. I just, I felt like a pirate last week. You know, I had the jacket. I had the earrings. I had the sword. I walked around with the sword quite a bit during the week. It was great. Uh, then I realized like, oh wait, I don't want to be a pirate. So then that's, that's all right. We're, we're done with that. But hey, guess what? Today, I really need you to have your wits about you because we head into the Bermuda Triangle. We head into the Bermuda Triangle. I know that there's a lot of things that we're going to have to cover. There's a lot of concerns when it comes to relationships that we need to really look at. And for those that are just joining us, you're saying, what is this about? Relationships are much like real ships. We board them with anticipation for a great journey. However, like real ships with the storms of life, sometimes we can find our relationships breaking apart. And so we want to really dig into God's Word, let it dig into our hearts so that we can have better relationships. Maybe that's you and uh, your BFF. Maybe this is your uh, potential one. Maybe this is your spouse. I don't know, but we all have relationships, and there are things that you can extract and pull from this series for yourself. You agree with that? All right. Well, you voted with your feet and you're here, so I think you're getting something. Yes? And so today we do continue this voyage, and I will continue to be your fearless leader and captain on this journey, mostly because I have the microphone, but I also have a lot to say. And so whether you think the Bermuda Triangle is a myth or not, the legend has carried on for over a century. And we're going to set sail into this mysterious uncharted waters today. And, you know, as I think about this, the stories of the Bermuda Triangle, they speak of ships and other crafts journeying through a, spe- a specific coordinates, actually. Let's show the picture. It's Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda is what uh, supposedly makes up this Bermuda Triangle. And, and like I said, whether or not you believe in it, I'm not trying to go down that path. We're just going to use the analogy for some other things. Are you following me? But what I do know is this, that there has been uh, a lot of things that have disappeared without true explanation or with uh, different theories on it. In 1918, a U.S. Navy ship called the USS Cyclops went missing in these waters along with over 300 men aboard. It was devastating and was a tragedy, but like many other vessels, there were no answers. Again, in 1945, five U.S. bomber aircrafts also disappeared in this region, including a sixth that was a rescue plane sent to find answers. Okay? This has brought many to believe that the waters are cursed. Much like the pirates we talked about last week, right? That the waters are cursed. And, and, uh, you know, in fact, another name for the Bermuda Triangle is actually the Devil's Triangle. And that is where we will jump off. Yeah, that's, that's all facts, no cap right there, okay? Listen, the Bermuda Triangle is also known as the Devil's Triangle, and, and when we talk through history, many believe that the shipwrecks and disappearances are much easier to explain than, say, aliens, pirates, or the Kraken. They believe it has to do with the strong magnetic fields that uh, is a part of basically the oceanic rock in the floor area there that is basically making compasses fail. 
And uh, as, as you look into all these theories and all of the rest, what I do know is it doesn't matter how awesome your map is. It doesn't matter how specific your route is. If your compass fails, you're in trouble. And so that could explain a lot, you know, when we look through this thing. If the compass doesn't work well, you're in trouble for your journey. And today we will be talking about things that bring down relationships. What, uh, you know, what are the things that are really present dangers? They're very clear and present dangers, but we don't normally know to look for them. Are you following me, church? And so let me help you protect your ship. Are you ready to start taking some notes? For those of you that care about your relationships, well done. Everyone's like, I care. It's okay. Here we go. Ready? Let me help you protect your ship. Beware you have entered the devil's triangle when, number one, when your compass is compromised. See, what's interesting on the map is we know that there's a specific area of the Bermuda Triangle or the Devil's Triangle. What I'd like to tell you in life is the Devil's Triangle can pop up anywhere on your journey with your relationship, okay? That's why we have to be very careful about how we're dealing with relationships and how we are, are, are uh, acting in the relationship, how we are thinking towards the relationship. But number one, when your compass is compromised, you may be entering the Devil's Triangle right? When you or others seemingly begin to head off the wrong direction, you find yourself or them wanting to give in to unhealthy detours. And I'm not just talking about ice cream every night. Hello. Maybe that was conviction. I like ice cream. But unhealthy detours, instead of keeping your heading, instead of keeping a true north, you find yourself or someone in your ship making unhealthy detours. You're starting to question whether they still have the same goals you have for the relationship. Anyone been there? What do you want for this relationship anyway? Have you ever heard that? You're in trouble if you have. <laughs> I think something's wrong with your compass if you've heard that before. But listen, when circumstances in our world have created such confusion, we can't any longer tell north from south. We begin sailing blind. When the decisions being made today no longer match the goals, our map originally plotted out, I think our compass has become compromised. Are you still getting this? And so as we kind of go through this, we've got to really consider, you know, I know some people aren't big you know, planners, you know, they're, they're more spontaneous. They love spontaneity in their life. They love just seeing where the day takes them. But what I do know is when it comes to relationships, it's good to have some goals, just like it is in your career path. You should have some goals. You should be able to track how well you're doing. Most people don't like making goals because they become accountable to what they say is important. I'll just let that sit for a minute. Okay. But what I will say is this. Perhaps you have been in a relationship with somebody that seemingly has changed. Okay, let's talk about that. They are no longer the person you set sail with. The way they talk, the way they act, the way they speak has changed, and it's changed negatively. Are you getting this? Are you, Some of you are understanding this. It's hitting close to home. A good explanation is this, that the compass their compass has become compromised. 
they have lost their true north. When the compass is compromised, you struggle to see things as they are. You see them as you now are. Have you ever heard that concept? You know, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. What does that mean? Everything you perceive in this world comes through your lens. Maybe it's, it's been developed through the environment you grew up in, developed through the way you look at life, developed through your convictions and faith. We see things uh, as, as not as they really are. Sometimes we see them as, or pretty much all the time, we see them as we are. That can be a good thing when something looks detrimental and you have eyes of faith to say, God, you can do anything. It can be a bad thing if you keep thinking everything's okay when things aren't okay. Are you getting this? And so, when the compass is compromised, you struggle to see things as they are. Your judgment is now compromised. And, And when the compass is compromised, it's hard to perceive truth once understood. And so this can become a problem within relationships. There were things that no longer needed to be spoken because it was just understood in the relationship, right? But now all of a sudden, the, the other person, or maybe even yourself, you're acting in a way that what was once understood, you can't even see it anymore. And the person's going, what happened to you? Has anyone ever heard that statement? Have you ever said that to somebody else? What happened to you? What happened to us? Why aren't things the way they used to be? Compass problems. Something else has become more important. Are you getting this? And so Job explains it like this. He says, behold, I go forward, but he's not there and backward, and I cannot perceive him. And when he acts on the left, I cannot behold him. And he turns on the right, I cannot see him. He's talking about how he has lost the ability to see what God is doing in his world. Can I tell you the same confusion can happen with you having the ability to communicate, to relate, to be able to empower the relationship rather than draining the relationship? We can lose up from down and left to right. Because if we're not anchored in a truth, if we don't have a compass that truly is helping us with our daily decisions, can I tell you, decisions, although they can be difficult to follow through with, decisions aren't hard if you've got a working compass. Because there are just so many areas in life that are no-goes. Okay? If I want a healthy relationship with my wife, then porn and strip clubs is a no-go. If I want a healthy relationship with my kids, then actually going to their ball games rather than going to have a drink is, is obvious. If I want a better relationship with a friend, I actually hang out with them. I don't say we're friends and then always try and push them off and look for another person to hang out with. Are, are you seeing this? Like, a working compass makes everything very obvious. Job could no longer see the things that he once could. That's the point. I want to encourage you, if you feel like you can no longer see or you're being challenged by someone in your ship that claims you can't see things the way you used to, rather than getting defensive, why don't you go back and look at your compass? Is that thing actually working or is it jumping around? Do I even know what I want anymore? Today I wanted this, but tomorrow all of a sudden I'm feeling this. If our compass is compromised, the relationship is in trouble. Tell your neighbor that was good. So when you lose focus on where you're headed, if you lose focus on healthy goals and begin heading the wrong direction, how can you lead a healthy life and be a benefit to the others in your boat if you don't have a working compass? Don't allow the struggles in your world to overcome your ability to direct your life. 
I'm not saying that storms don't come. I'm not saying that there isn't a magnetic pull to other things. You know, the reality is the reason everyone uh, finds themselves struggling one way or another with sin is because sin is fun. Is the pastor allowed to say that? Yeah, because the scripture says that. For a short time, but it leads to death. How many know the devil wouldn't be good at his job if what he was offering you wasn't any good? Hello. This is just real talk in church. But what I do know is when we have a working compass, we can see through the schemes. We can see through the games. We can see just how short-sighted that thought or that thing is. How's your compass? Ecclesiastes 10 says this, The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. When we find ourselves, instead of relying on God's word, trying to just work overtime to be better, to do better, to think better, to... Can I tell you, you cannot succeed in life without God's help, without his help. And what do I mean? It doesn't mean you can't be success in the world's eyes. Of course, people are successful they build sandcastles every day. But the reality is, if you want to be successful, if you want to be able to see your purpose come to fruition, if you want to be able to make sure that the God who knit you together in your mother's womb is happy with the outcome at the end of the day, you're going to need his help. Why? Because he needs you to rely on him so that there's going to be the relationship he envisioned. He wants relationship with you, not you just to be some sort of drone doing his work, not you being some robot not you just being some minion, opposite of minion, a good minion. <laughs> He's not just looking to get output from you. He wants the relationship and the journey. He wants to be on your ship. Yes? And so, keep your convictions. Keep God's word in your hearts. Hold on to that captain's wheel of your life when the storm hits. Because like I said last week, you may not be in a storm, but Everyone is either leaving a storm or on their way to another storm because that's life. You were like, I feel so good leaving. I, I feel so much better. Thank you. No, I'm just trying to be real because the Bible says, actually John 16, Jesus says, hey, the world has many troubles. You're going to deal with a lot of problems, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So let's understand that just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems. It means you should have a working compass. And even when things feel hard, you still know the right decision to make. And you know you're not making it alone. That was pretty good. I'm glad you got that. Number two, beware. You have entered the devil's triangle when honesty goes overboard. I know this is tied into your compass, but when all of a sudden honesty is an option... You've just entered the devil's triangle, no matter where you are in life, whether you're with a friend, whether you're courting somebody in a dating relationship, whether you've been married 20 years. Wherever you are on that journey, when honesty becomes an option, you've entered the devil's triangle. Every time you or that other person in the relationship lies, a choice was made to be dishonest. We, we think sometimes like, oh, I just... I had to. No, you didn't have to. You chose to because it was going to be the, the path with less resistance in the short term. But actually, that less resistance in the short term has ca uh, caused crazy erosion on your foundation. Or if we go to vessels, it's created wicked bonicle buildup <laughs> that's cre going to create huge drag on your ship. 
It's just going to slow everything down, and you're not going to move as fast because when people have to question whether what you say is actually true, it slows everything down. It slows everything down. And so beware, when people are making the decision to be dishonest, beware because they're choosing to use the devil's tongue. After all, the Bible says he's the father of lies. That's how you know you've entered his triangle. You begin to speak like him. You begin to act like pirates. Hello. Some of you need to go back and watch last week. You know, I was talking with a few people this week, and somebody said, I didn't realize I was living with a pirate. Thank you for clarifying that. I was like, sorry. Someone else, I was talking to somebody. He's like, yeah, me and my wife, we were sitting down talking, and we just started to to realize how many pirates we've allowed in our world. And, and, and we've got to take back that control and that power that somehow they have hijacked. So hopefully you're still focusing on that. But listen, when we choose to do the opposite of God's word, how can we think we will find safe passage on the open waters of the relationship? Psalms 34 tells us this, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. When we choose to throw honesty overboard, we undermine the relationship's integrity, leading to trust issues and further compromising what? Our compass. Further compromising the ability to be honest next time. You've always heard of the little white lie and you've heard about, you know, how if you begin with a little lie, can I just tell you, first of all, God doesn't have these levels of lies. Dishonesty is dishonesty. Who created the white lie? The one that said it and wanted to feel better about it. It's like, oh, that's just a white lie. No, there's no such thing. It's just a lie, which is dishonest, which is messing up your compass. And actually, the more you lie, the more you have to lie to cover your last lie. And there's no way to keep a white lie just a white lie if there was ever such thing as a white lie, but there's not. Colossians. It tells us this in chapter 3. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self when it's, uh, with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So the stronger my compass gets, the more I know the one that created me and gave me the compass. Okay? And if I continue to tear away and erode and create barnacle buildup on our ship, through dishonesty, don't wonder why you're going to begin to see less and less people wanting to be on your ship. Because you have become a pirate of your own ship. We'll continue. So when honesty becomes an option, you have entered the devil's triangle. If we want good things for our relationship, then we must be anchored in honesty. First Peter tells us this, In uh, three, it says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. How do we know to turn from evil? Well, if, if the compass is working, we should know based on God's word in our heart, based on knowing the creator, based on knowing what his, his uh, commands are, we should know when we should be turning left or right or staying straight. What I don't like, you know, let me just, can I just tell you something that grinds my gears? One of the things that grinds my gears is when the church expects the world to live like the church. 
they they want to boycott everything because that person should act like a Christian. They're not a Christian. I want you to act like a Christian because you claim to be a Christian. Well, that's it. I'm never going there again because they're acting worldly. That's because they're part of the world. Do something about it by actually living a life like a Christian, insulting the earth and being a light, and stop acting them to live a life that oftentimes they see us hypocritical in. How's that for your compass? So to pursue a great relationship, we've got to be honest. Not just honest about what the other person is doing wrong. Honest about our part in it. And focused on fixing what we can fix. We spend way too much time, effort, and energy trying to fix the other person when we're all jacked up. You know, the scripture says, don't try and remove the sliver in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your eye. Oftentimes, it's the pirates who are only using one eye trying to tell the rest of the world how to live. If you're uncomfortable, good. We're getting somewhere. We've got to work on the compass if we're going to see good relationships in our world, yes? The best thing you could ever do as a parent is have a good relationship with your spouse. It was funny. I was, I was driving through town the other day, heading to a great barbecue spot with my, my lady. And as we're talking, I realize I'm actually pointing out everything my father would have pointed out to me on the ride. That's a weird place for that building. You know, back in the day, <laughs> this was just fields. <laughs> Everywhere, just fields. And it dawned on me, I love my dad, but it dawned on me, I kind of becoming like him a bit, right? That's not a bad thing, unless it's a bad thing. But I guess what I'm trying to say is when I look at the reality of things that I've picked up on my journey from my parents, I want to be a better parent for my child too. Because the reality is I'm forming them, and I'm creating an environment that they're going to be a product of. And now let me encourage you. Maybe you were a product of an environment that now you're going, believe me, I don't want anything to do with what I knew growing up. Well, God can overcome those things and he can restore you and he can heal you. And if you get a working compass and you have the right boundaries in your life and you have the right people encouraging upwards, you're going to see serious movement in your life. But I also understand with two young girls, I better show my teenage daughters, or almost teenage daughter, one of them, I better show them how a real man treats a woman because they're going to learn what to expect in the future. If, I've got, if, if you have a son and you're treating your wife horribly, he's just going to look at, well, which woman's going to be my doormat? I don't have to love or respect them because my dad never loved or respected my mother. Get a working compass. Even, listen, listen, you went to the altar. You had the vows under God to have become one. Unless you haven't had sex. That's weird. Maybe that should have stayed in my head. (laughs) But what I will say is this. (laughs) After I said that, what I will say is this. We have to understand that when we went to the altar and said, till death do us part, you may feel like you're dying, but you're not. 
You actually have to work for the relationship. It's just not how it used to be. Well, that's because deadbeat dude, you stopped buying flowers. Well, it's just not how it used to be. Well, you stopped wearing that dress. You stopped getting dolled up and you wonder why he's looking elsewhere. This toe tap just felt right. We have to work on our relationships. And people that are not yet married, if you want to protect your future marriage, if you want to have a marriage in the end, choose not to carry all the baggage in from everything that you're doing right now. Choose to make the right decisions rather than having to change the course of your life and then be tempted to lie about everything you've done prior to that person and then building your whole relationship on a lie just because you realize who you really were wasn't worth talking about? How about you make who you are worth talking about? So we've got to be honest. If we want a great, healthy relationship, then honesty cannot go overboard. Are you getting this? Tell your neighbor, we need this. Even if you're not in a relationship with them, you're like, wait a minute, why did I tell them that? Because <laughs> you both need it. Number three, you have entered the devil's triangle when communication breaks down. It's not just about lies now. It's about how you communicate. How many know you can say things without saying them? But you can say something that should be fine, but make it awful by the way you said it. So when communication begins breaking down, beware. Think about it. When, when looking back at all the accidents in the, in the Bermuda Triangle, uh, there was a breakdown in communication. They lost the ability to communicate with the ship or the craft, and inevitably there was a crash. And, and so there are telltale signs. There are these signs where, where something that used to be easy, open communication, now it's becoming staticky. Now it's becoming broken up. Now you can't understand what they're inferring. Or maybe inference is becoming more and more of a thing. Communication begins to slowly break down. At some point, these vessels, when we talk about the aircraft and the ships, they went from clear and clean communication to staticky breakup, abrupt communications, leading to misunderstanding and eventually silence with no ability to get through to each other. Does that sound familiar? Maybe entering the devil's triangle when this happens. We know we've entered the devil's triangle. When things that shouldn't be said aren't, wait, things that should be said aren't, and things that shouldn't be said are. When phrases like, you always, or you never, are tossed around freely. We undermine our own ship and those on it when we allow communication to break down because our emotions hijacked the rudder of our mouth. Let me say it this way. When we allow emotions to build up, it will cause communications to break down. There are some things that if you would have just said it in the moment when it kind of offended you and you're kind of like, I can't believe he said that. Guys, don't get offended. Normally we're the ones that mess it up. Doesn't mean that the woman can't fix it by just telling us up front when we messed up the first. It's okay. But listen, normally... Something that could be corrected quickly in the moment is put off. And then it'll, it builds because then the next thing that happens, it's no longer at level one that the problem happened. Now it's level two because there's been buildup. 
And then the next time there's conversation, there becomes level three. And the person that doesn't know you're already on level three because there hasn't been any open communication is like, what is wrong with this person? What did I do? And honestly, they're right. What is wrong with you by allowing yourself to allow it to go this far without having open communication? Because you have now chosen to throw honesty overboard by your silence. And you think that person should know better. They should know what they did. No, they shouldn't. Okay, maybe sometimes. But most of the time they shouldn't because they don't perceive things the same way you do. Why? Because you grew up in a different home, in a different environment, in different situations. Here's the deal. Even though you're thinking a normal person should never talk to me this way, they're probably not normal because their parents probably talked to them like that. But if you have an open communication to just say, look, I I know we come from different places and I know you probably didn't mean it the way it sounded, but this is how it sounded to me. And let them hear it through your head. Not, I don't know if you realize this, but most of the time people are talking. They're not listening to what they're saying. They're thinking what they're going to say after what they just said. Okay, I'll continue. So when we allow emotions to build up, it will cause communications to break down. Our words are powerful. The scripture is exhaustive on the topic of the tongue. Google search scriptures on the power of the tongue. You will have a whole afternoon of sipping a latte and taking a lot in. Yes? And so Proverbs helps us to understand the wisdom of how to speak to each other. It says this in Proverbs 12. It says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You ever been on the other side of the sword? Somebody says something that pierces you to the core, right? Have you ever been, when that happens, normally you pick up the phone and call somebody who has the words of healing to encourage you, okay? Communication continues to break down further when we don't fight fair. That's another way you can know you're in the devil's triangle is when you're realizing that both of you are not fighting fair anymore. Again, you use words like never and always. You use words, uh, phrases like just like your father, just like your mother. Not fighting fair anymore. Yes? Remember, when pain is in your heart, restrain your lips. When pain is in your heart, restrain your lips. The Bible, it talks about how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a wounded heart is only going to wound hearts. You know the, the uh, tea kettle effect where there's such buildup, such pressure, such heat, you just got to have a little bit of release? We normally will release on that person in our worlds because they, were, they caused so much problems, but all we did was multiply the problems by the way we released. Instead, when, you're, when, when pain is in your heart, restrain your lips. Look what Proverbs 10 says. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent or wise. We got to learn to restrain our lips. There are times we just need to, you know, they say count to 10. You might need to count to 100 depending on how, how, how many anger problems you got. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you might just need to go to Dairy Queen and get an ice cream healthy tip or unhealthy tip, however you want to go. That wasn't a plug. I just really like ice cream. But listen, Proverbs 29 says this, a fool gives full vent 
to his spirits. But a wise man quietly holds it back. A wise woman quietly holds it back. Don't give full vent. Honestly, you know what one of the biggest troubles are? I know I'm running out of time, but one of the biggest troubles in relationships is when there's a problem going on between A and B, these people, and then in the frustration, they go and tell C about it. And C begins to hold a fence for B and then doesn't like A. And then when A and B work it out, C still doesn't like A because they didn't know how to hold their tongue. They created gossip to feel better about themselves, but then B doesn't know why C doesn't want to hang out with A and B anymore, but actually created the problem. Do you see what I'm saying? To lower the static and rebuild communications, soften your tone and your answer. Think before you speak. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And what do we do in our anger? Say harsh things, and it stirs up anger even more, and then the tea kettle effect happens, and then everyone's saying things they don't want. It's a bad confetti gun. And you're living in it. And if you're married, your kids are watching it. And who's to blame? The adults in the room. It takes two to fight. Even one person fighting themselves is double-minded. Okay? The life expectancy of a relationship is often determined by its communication. So if you want to prolong the life of this relationship, work on your communication. Don't throw honesty overboard. Make sure you've got a compass that's working. Have checkups. You know, have you ever heard that weird saying, like the seven-year itch in marriage? Like where people are struggling to keep the marriage together and someone else goes, oh, it's the seven-year itch. It's a silly name for something that actually exists. The reality is every five to seven years, people change a little bit. The person I married is a little bit different all these years later. And the person she married is a little bit different all these years later. But if I choose to remember my vows and continue to love her, I'm going to continue to focus on all of the good, not all of the change. And we're going to have an open communication about the change. Because guess what? Flowers in the first seven years may have worked. Now they're just dead dying weeds in their eyes. And you've got to figure out what the next thing is because they're changing. And that's okay. As long as you understand change can be good and work together on it, yes? And so <clears throat> Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Again, we're talking about the life expectancy of a relationship is often determined by its communication. Life and death in the words we say. Let's choose to speak life into our relationship. Let's choose to be around other couples or other friends or other groups of people that are fun to be with and are life-giving, not just draining gossipers. So <clears throat> communication continues to break down when a voice is diminished. And I've really got to finish here, but perhaps someone else's voice outside of the relationship is getting louder right? Have you ever been in a relationship and things were going well until you realized a pirate had the ear of your BFF? 
I remember a group of friends in school that I was always hanging around and everything was good and we were always together and it was like, you know, the three amigos, although there were more than three, so whatever, a band of brothers, however you want to say it. And uh, in, in our situation, it was a, a girl who came into the picture and that normally happens around that age. But what I do know is it definitely, this, this girl's voice became louder in that person's ear and so it actually separated a group of friends because someone else's outside voice became louder, Right? And whether that was, you know, it's not like they got married and rode off into the sunset and it was perfect. It actually just kind of hurt a relationship because someone else's voice got louder. Be aware if you're married, no other voice should be louder than, the, uh, than your voice in the situation or their voice in the situation other than God himself. Right? So in the scripture, we see a story where a man loves a woman, but the woman begins allowing another voice to be louder in the relationship than his voice. And look at, although Delilah was not good for Samson to begin with, the moment she allowed other people's voice to be louder than Samson's, it was destined to fail. Judges 16.4, as I close, sometimes later, he, Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sork, whose name was Delilah. And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. Look at, Delilah should have stopped right there. If she actually loved Samson, she should have immediately diminished that voice Instead, she allowed Samson's voice to be diminished by what she could gain from somebody else. A pirate came into the situation and pirated it. Pirated it. Make sure in your relationship that you're not allowing other people's voice to become louder. If you experience pirates' voices getting louder in your friend's ear, beware they have taken your ship into the devil's triangle. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.